Well, thank you so much for tuning into the first couple of episodes of the podcast. Um, we are back with episode three, and this is a very special episode. Today, I'm going to be talking to Ms. Maria Angelica Caruso, who is not only a force in the American dance industry, but someone who has made a huge impact on me, and I like to say has made me into the educator and the practitioner that I am today. Um, Maria, would you mind giving us a little hello and just tell us a bit about yourself real quick? Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Hallie. I'm very, very proud of you. And I'm delighted to be on your podcast talking about education. I have been an educator for, uh, oh my gosh, a long time now, over two decades. And I chair the performing arts department at La Roche University. I am also um, the founding director of Bodyography Center for Movement, which is uh, an institution for where for which we teach dance as a language, which is a very different way of working in the movement arts. Um, I also um, am a movement therapy practitioner facilitator, and um, I work in the fitness and wellness sector through bodyography, and I'm also a performer and a choreographer. So those are the many facets of me, and uh, my I am most passionate about education. I think that would probably be my my primary fervor. I uh, I very much appreciate the opportunity to nurture young individuals and help them evolve and, and grow into educators themselves. So that's where my my primary passion is. I love everything else as well, but um, I get the most joy from watching my students grow and evolve not just into their professional pathway, but in their personal pathway as well. I think that life is all about um, kind of that nice marriage between professional and personal growth. And as somebody who's had the amazing opportunity for four years, actually five, technically, because I spent a year with you before I started training, um, to experience this, I can attest to everything that Maria has said and more. Probably more than you'll ever know, Maria, but it's a good thing. <laughs> so as a, basically somebody who has done everything, all facets of dance, all facets of wellness and education, um, you have most recently been on an off-Broadway run with your solo show, Metamorphosis, as well as just returned from Brazil to work with mm. the company. Cisne Negro. It translates into Black Swan. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So I actually just flew here. I just flew back. I literally landed, what, maybe an hour and a half ago. And uh, I wanted to make you the, the first thing on my day. Like the, you were the priority for my day. So I, I'm, I'm just so excited that we're chatting because you are a bright light. And oh. I, as I said, I'm very, very proud of you. So I, it was really nice to travel across the world and, and be present for this podcast. Oh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I'm actually back in New York right now because uh, I just did a two-week residency with Cesna Negro and I did, I bookended that. I started, I performed Metamorphosis in New York. I jumped on a plane right after my show and made it to Brazil. And the next day I started uh, a 10-day residency to create new work for the company 
while the bodyography artists met me in Brazil and they um, were in residence with uh, Danny Bittencourt, who is the uh, artistic director of Cesar Negro. And we used those 10 days to uh, work together, both of our companies, um, to uh, create a cultural ex exchange that was extraordinary. Um, and then what we did was we paused well, actually, I shouldn't say that. We didn't pause. I got up on, I think, both days and uh, taught a masterclass, did a LaRoche and Biography Scholarship audition, had five hours rehearsal, and then headed to the theater. So, yes, I guess we didn't pause. Uh, Maria so, Caruso never pauses. I don't know the meaning first. of pause. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a day off since June 3rd, but you know what? Sunday is my first day off. I'm so excited. We're so blessed. So, um, I was very fortunate to be able to perform uh, in Brazil again with the new version of Metamorphosis, which is the off-Broadway version. Um, and I just flew back in time to perform again. And uh, that's that's what I've been doing lately. It's been very interesting. Um, I did a nine-week run of Metamorphosis in a, a, a theater called the Actors Temple, which is a very unique space. And I readapted the work uh, for this off-Broadway run, which was only supposed to run for nine weeks, um, but it got picked up um, for a continuation. So it's an open-ended run. And I am basically commuting back and forth between Pittsburgh and New York to perform Metamorphosis. And then within my parameters, I'm, I'm encouraged to tour with the work. So weekends like last weekend when I am supposed to be in New York performing Metamorphosis, I am able to be on tour. So I am taking on more touring, which is really wonderful and, and exciting because I have performed Metamorphosis in Brazil multiple times in multiple different venues, but this was the first time I was in a really large house, beautiful house, the Teatro Safra. I, I had a chance to do the version that I'm doing at the Actors Temple in a new space in a new way. So it's it's really wonderful from a creative perspective because I'm constantly evolving and growing the work. And um, the only downside is, is like most Broadway shows, and I say Broadway because I think sometimes people get confused between what off-Broadway and Broadway means. Um, you know, uh, it's really the size of the house, the seating. So, you know, I'm in a really beautiful space that's right next to one of the much larger theaters, um, but uh, because it only seats 200, it's considered off-Broadway, even though you're on broad like it's such a strange thing pesky broadway specifics <laughs> broadway specifics but yeah but like in a nor normal show like let's say for example lion king you know you have lion king running on broadway and then you have lion king on tour and the hard thing is is when you're a solo artist um you unfortunately don't have a i don't have a sub <laughs> so so i'm really grateful for the opportunity to be working with so many great people and producers who uh, appreciate Metamorphosis' impact and power and um, allow me to do that. And also to the university, because if I didn't have the support of LaRoche, I wouldn't be able to carry uh, my work forward. And actually LaRoche has been one of my primary supporters of con the continuation of Metamorphosis so that I can continue to move forward with my passion for education while continuing on with my personal professional development. Essentially, like I'm also being supported in my own education, um, which is really nice. It's nice to be around a community of scholars who appreciate 
uh, the scholarship in in what it is that I'm I'm doing, and and the scholarship for me is focused on really understanding and um, growing within the commercial sector of dance, and and learning more about it, and uh, it's been very eye opening. Yeah, very impactful. Well, I mean, even though you might not be, you know, in a chemistry lab using beakers and looking through microscopes, your practice is very much research. Mm-hmm. It is research. You are developing research as you go. Yeah, absolutely. As somebody who's traveled and danced, educated, taken classes all over the world, would you say that different places and spaces are different in terms of dance practice? Yes and no. One thing I love about dance is that I truly believe it is such a universal language. I mean, we're all movers, essentially. I mean, two of the most powerful moments in my career as an educator was teaching at, in Pittsburgh at the Children's Institute and uh, doing a lecture demonstration and performing. And as I was finishing, um, a young boy with no legs got out of his wheelchair, crawled on his hands to me and held my legs and hugged me. And I was thinking to myself, wow, that, that was just one of the most powerful moments of my life. And I didn't need words. I even saw this human being who had struggled with um, challenges with ability, physical ability, and was able-bodied, you know, able-bodied and inspired by what I had contributed as a mover um, and in the environment. And, and so much so that, that, that a wheelchair was no longer needed, you know, um, that, that, that moment was really impactful. I had a similar moment at the Bradley Center um, for Abused Children. And uh, I would say that in Brazil, I, uh, in 2020, I had an opportunity to perform at a social, um, social justice organization um, called uh, Don Bosco. And there I performed a metamorphosis in front of 600 children. And it was like, after I was done, they just came and they were like, just holding on to me. And um, I just, it was a testament to the power of movement and that we don't necessarily need words to be expressive. Uh, I always say that God is life's best choreographer. Um, and whether we like movement or not, and how we choose to celebrate it, it is part of who we are as human beings. So I do think there is an innate connection um, across the globe that unites us. And every country I've been in where I haven't been able to speak the language, whether it's been in China, uh, Africa, Israel, Europe, I mean, everywhere that I have been in my life, um, I have never failed at communicating through dance. Wow. Whether it be in a class or whether it be in um, a performance setting or a showing, um, I have never found it to be a problem. So um, communication in its most honest sense, um, I, I, I feel that, that that platform is celebrated in these uh, dance studio spaces or performance spaces and it is completely universal and it does unite people together. Um, I would say from a genre perspective, I, I see a lot of great differences. Um, I think that there are places in the world where um, dance is a little bit more cerebral, um, more uh, abstract, um, you know, I think that dance can be celebrated in different ways um, in very, very different ways through different styles, different genres, different modalities. Um, and I think that that's, um, that's 
where I see the most difference, but also where I find myself most open to understanding, appreciating, learning um, other people's practices and other people's ways in, in which they create. Wow. So, so yeah, so, you know, I just taught a class in, in, um, Brazil. I taught two master classes and uh, had didn't have a problem at all, you know. But even with the language barrier, so I think that's why I love dance so much. I I just love it so much because it, it unites human beings in such a special and beautiful way. It is like a um, it's a community. Mm-hmm. It is. I was going to say right. that's why your your mission of sorts through Bodyography Center for Movement. That's why it is such an impactful mission. Because at the end of the day, movement as language, dance as language, that is the most basic human functions to move. Dancing is moving mm-hmm. and that's about it. It's yeah. why it makes what you do so special, I think. Absolutely. No, absolutely, you're right, you're right. Would you be able to talk to me a little bit about what you define as creativity and how that connects to your creative practice? I, you know, I think creativity is just, it's just general self-expression, you know? I think that some people would say that, oh, I'm not very creative. I think we all have the potential to be creative. I think that that is about creating an environment for which you feel free to explore. So I think exploration is creativity. And I feel like, you know, if, if you look at children, more recently in my, my life, I, I kind of build this parallel to like adults and, and then children and, and how, how behavior patterns parallel themselves. It's just like, you know, an adult in a relationship getting frustrated with something and you're like, okay, I get it. You can't find words, just like a child can't find words to describe what emotions they're actually having and that's why they act out. Um, I think that, you know, there are many approaches to learning and to creativity. And there are many approaches one of, that I studied when I was younger, you know, like the, in teaching and learning like Montessori and Reggio Emilio and, and how to harness creative expression, how to use it as a tool to learn. Um, I think that environment is important. I think environment and latitude are very, very important to creativity. And, you know, that is very much what I do for myself. I think that someone who has been in my environment, um, it is for me about the ecosystem. It really, it really is dependent on that. So my philosophy is if the system is failing, fix it and fix it or adapt and create for yourself. So what I have spent my time and my career passion um, and motivation on is creating environments and creating safe spaces, safe spaces for which individuals can find their greatest creative potential. And I think that environment is, is so important. And I have been very fortunate to learn how to create environments for myself. So, you know, and all the work that I've done across the globe and, and all of my creations, I think if anybody's been inside my work, it, you know, it really is about the people, it's about the community, it's about the time, the space, the place where we are, it's about how to carry that um, honesty forward. And I think that that's really, um, that's what drives me is the environment. Wow, and what is it that creates a safe space then for you? How do you foster those? Um, those I of think things? that's, I think that's different for everybody. You know, I think, I think, 
I think you have to ask that hard question. You know, I think you have to take the time to learn about the individuals, which I think is really hard for some people. I mean, some people just have creative, some people's creative space is in silence or it's in um, isolation. Um, so I know that some people don't work well with me because I really am pretty open and out there. Um, I think that if, if, if that's a, you know, uh, I always say this when I audition dancers and when I talk to, um, you know, people who are interested in part partnerships that I'm like, it's, you have to audition me as well, because if I'm not assisting in creating a better environment for you, then you're not going to thrive in my space. And I, I very much appreciate um, what every individual needs. And for me, that is, a, is, a, is communication for me, transparency and communication. So, you know, I think that it, it's different for everybody. And in my space, what people like most is, I think, the idea that they are pushed and they are, um, they are encouraged. They are encouraged, but they are given a strong dose of honesty in real time. And I think that it takes, it requires a really special person to um, want to come in that environment where they can feel safe because they know they are loved unconditionally. They know that they, that someone believes in them. They know that someone um, sees their potential, but they also know that someone is going to hold them accountable. And some people are really scared of that, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. they are. You provide that unconditional support for your students. You provide a platform for them. And you're a champion, I would say, in professional development for students, taking something that might be a little seed and seeing that flower that it could become and pushing your students to become that flower. No matter what the methodology is, you've always got your students' backs. You've always got that that support ready for them, that love ready for them. A lap to sit on, to cry on sometimes. To but. cry on, yes. And as you know, I do that. There's, it's how, many, <laughs> how many Maria classes do you see where there is an adult sitting on my lap while I hold them and they cry? So, <laughs> yeah, safe, safe space is a safe space to also feel like you can be yourself and you can cry if you need to, laugh if you need to, scream if you want to. Um, yeah. It's that knowledge that you can fail successfully in Maria's class. Yes. I think that's what makes your students so such resilient. Forces. Yes, resilient. Yes. yes. And we also, you know, that's, that's good that you took that term with you, how to fail successfully, right? The old Tony Russell, my father-in-law wrote a book called How to Fail Successfully, and it was very impactful in my life. And I use that in my teaching. It's true. It is. It's absolutely true. Maria, I was wondering, um, as we, I know you've got a meeting coming up I, know, I have another meeting coming up so sorry oh it's okay I could talk to you for hours <laughs> I know I know I so enjoyed this session I was wondering if you could leave some words of wisdom for people like me emerging and aspiring educators knowing everything you know now what would you tell us I would tell you to always remember how important it is to believe in your most authentic self to, to follow your heart and your soul, to be empathetic and compassionate always, to have a strong vision for yourself and you know, to practice, practice mindfulness and to always understand how important it is to be a student yourself, an ever evolving human being that is learning and growing and changing 
and you keep carrying yourself forward, a light into the world. As I always say, leadership is essential. And the foundation of that is through grace and gratitude and love. Absolutely. Those are Maria's words of wisdom, grace, gratitude, and love. Something to live your life by. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Maria. I really cannot express. You've literally carved out a section of time in your schedule that is blocked (laughs) bookend to bookend, but I really- It is so good to be with you. I am so proud of you and I just love you so much. And um, I'm really excited that, you know, I'm really excited to find a silver lining here in a pandemic because here we are halfway across the world. you know, from Brazil to New York, New York to England, and we're able to be together and to continue learning and growing and having these wonderful conversations that I think are not just impactful for us together, um, but for other people. So thank you for sharing this amazing conversation with your community. And um, yeah, I'm I'm honored that you called me to to chat. Absolutely. As we close the curtain on yet another impactful conversation with such an amazing educator, I can't help but be thankful for the community we're already beginning to build through the creation of this podcast. Maria Caruso's work is driven by community. Bringing a bright light with her wherever she goes, she connects people from all over the world and creates those safe spaces for development, empowerment, and resilience. I'm incredibly proud to be one of her students but even more proud that I could have this conversation with her today. And it is so important that we continue having these conversations so that we can build upon the legacy of educators like Maria. I'm so thankful for those of you who've been tuning in to Fostering Creativity and Building Community, a dance education podcast. Thank you for coming on this journey with me, and I hope that you continue to stick with us as we talk to even more amazing educators. Happy teaching, of course, everyone, and I'll speak to you again soon.